All right. So my first question is, how do these two parables relate to each other? Because, I mean, they're very nuanced and, and very different, uh, kind of different time frames, different approaches to it. Uh, you know, they're, they're both dealing with the endowment, but um, how, just extending that out, how do these two parables uh, go together? Where do they overlap and, and how are they, they different kind of thing? What, what's your take on them, having read them and, and studied them? There's the temple garment in both, kind of. Mm -hmm. And yeah. let's see. I don't know. That's all I had right off the bat. Uh -huh. Yeah, for sure. So dealing with like our, our temple clothing and, and some of that that blessing and power that comes from that, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found it uh, very interesting where um, the, the commoner and the king, the first one, uh, is actually coming into the king's presence where we don't really uh, reference that too much in, in the white coat parable. Um, that, that's more of the kind of preparations to it, but um, how, anyway, they're, they're very much like kind of overlapping and, and getting to the same point, but in, in very different approaches. They both talk about how clothing is indicative of um, a special, right or a place or a privilege that you have. And I, I think many times when we think about the temple garment, you know, the, the garment of the holy priesthood and, and the temple clothing, too many people think of it as, oh, I have to wear this or, oh, I have to this or, you know, I wish it was more comfortable or more fashionable or whatever. I hear those things from people all the time. Um, and I, I think they have lost the the understanding that it's a privilege mm -hmm. that it is it represents something it represents something that we have um, a blessing that we have and and I think that both of these um, parables help to show that because it stands out as something unusual as something special I mean everybody knows oh a doctor wears their white coat and nobody would think twice about it you know yes that's an important thing the doctors don't go man i wish i didn't have to wear this white coat everywhere i went they'd be i worked hard to get this thing i want it you know yeah and and i think we need to have more of that attitude with hey i i worked hard to be able to get this temple recommend and to be able to go and get my endowment and to learn these things. I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm going to learn more. Mm -hmm. And yeah. as a side note, and I do not get paid for this advertisement, um, the new temple garments are amazing. <laughs> They're so easy to put on. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm always the first lady done. <laughs> the, the temple garments or the temple clothes? the temple robes and robes. stuff okay. yeah yeah i saw those last week and i was like, amazing game changer I, I go and, and shell out the money for new ones it's worth it <laughs> game changer i've had mine since the mid 90s yeah. so you will not be disappointed i promise <laughs> my mom my mom gave me mine when i was married in 1981 <laughs> yeah. It's game changer. I'm telling you. <laughs> we we got ours in the mid '90s when we were called to be temple workers in Chicago. That was back when we had to drive six hours one way to get there, 
So we would go up one weekend a month um, and we had to have our own. They, they said, we highly recommend you have your own. And so that's when we got our own. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't have anybody to give me mine when I got married. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, worth it to go buy the new ones, y'all. <laughs> go buy the new ones. I've heard, do it. I've heard Just some go do it. and I've seen them and I'm going, wow, that looks so cool. <laughs> do they come in a smaller packet? Is it less room to carry around? And no, but the material, or- what's easy about it is the material is heavier and they're just super easy to put on. Like mm-hmm. they're not sticky and clingy. It seems do they fall off your shoulder like the old ones do? No. <laughs> oh, see, that's that's game cool. changer. I'm telling you, just do it. You'll thank me later. <laughs> you could, I, I, I saw somebody, she just put it on over her head. Mm-hmm. And just there was nothing to tie or mess with. You put it on over your head and it's like Greek. It, it looks very, to me, it looks very Greek. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Anyway, yeah. I wish you know. Yes, just do it. <laughs> I promise you'll thank me later. <laughs> I made your trip too. Okay, but, sorry, I hijacked the meeting for a minute. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, because I think that you know the clothing is such a a key crucial point to the the symbolism in our endowment and in these parables here. Um, that. Uh, I can't remember what books I recommend. I'm always going to my bookshelf and pulling out things and stuff, but um, the the book by Kim Gibbs, Understanding Our, Our Temple Sacred, Our Sacred Temple Clothing, I believe the, the title is oh, called. Yeah. It's a um, little tiny, anyway. right? Yeah, it's just like a little tiny pamphlet and stuff, but really going through and, and helping. If you ever want to understand more about the actual clothing, um, some of that and, and history behind it is, is very informative there. <clears throat> Available on the bookshelf or is it something you have to buy? um i know it's from desert book um the pamphlet and it has a they have a cd and stuff i'm not sure if it's on the actual desert book is like the audio I, it should be though i would think what's it called um the <clears throat> just a second uh, it'd be faster for me to google it just um, it's white and it's I'm just like a teeny pamphlet i just gave it to my mom Yep, I found it. Understanding the Sacred Symbolism of Temple Clothing by Kim Gibbs. Yes, oh, and it is camera. an audio. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, oh, yeah. Yeah, Lisa's holding it up. On the bookshelf. Yeah, this one I've actually borrowed from a friend of mine. I'd recommended it to her, and she got it before I did. So then she loaned it to me. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love some good uh, library swaps. <laughs> yeah, and I got the recommendation from you, Cameron. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I highly recommend that that little pamphlet. And anybody that's that's here in Malta, I've got plenty to loan out if anybody wants to borrow one. <clears throat> um. So yeah, I've got like so many different topics and questions and stuff. I don't even know where to to quite start. But, um, with the just a second, where is it even at? Um, anyway, in the commoner and the king, I kind of wanted to start out there, um, where he is getting the, the actual recommend or the, the scroll with the invitation. Oh, right there. Sorry. So this is on the second page and, um, it is, you know, like that little scroll looking thing that separates the paragraphs. It's, it's two down from that. 
um, the paragraph starts with in nervous anticipation. I should have had these like <laughs> versified like Book of Nelson, right? <laughs> so we could point at the paragraphs. But um, I found this very interesting and I've been pondering on this all day. Uh, midway through that paragraph, it says, upon inspection of Asher's identification papers, including the most important document of all, the Royal Invitation. And so my question is, like, what is your guys' take or uh, opinions or let's brainstorm on what are the invitation papers as a whole? And what is the Royal Invitation specifically? Uh, you know, if we're applying this to our day, because I took the kind of the whole concept to be like, oh, yeah, the temple recommend, you know, you have to present that um, kind of thing to get in. But what is the difference here in this parable between the identification papers, plural, versus the the royal invitation? That was the, the most important document of all. Anyway, what's kind of like your take? What What's your opinions on, on that? I think that the invitation, invitation means that the Lord has invited us, right? It, the king invited him. He didn't say, okay, I want to go and be worthy to enter the king's presence. And so I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. And somebody's going to give me a little card, like a library card, and I'm going to go in and, and do stuff. The invitation came from the king to him. Mm -hmm. And he accepted that invitation. Um, I, I think we get a similar invitation from the Lord. Uh, we may not realize it sometimes. Maybe we're not listening. Maybe we're too caught up in the things of the world. Um, and I, I think our invitation to hear him and to come unto him actually comes to us while we're in the temple instead of out in the din of the world mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's very interesting how this this parable can apply on those multiple levels and stuff right like sometimes the invitation comes inside the the temple itself uh, versus some of the the invitation papers that are required to even enter into the temple yeah very interesting i love that yeah i think the temple recommend is like his identification papers right you know but that I don't know I think it's layered mm -hmm. to me it, it's it's got more layers in the parable than what we think of when we just walk into the temple mm -hmm. yeah very much so um because like if we're looking specifically at the royal invitation which the, it says right there that that's the most important document of all um but Let's see, going back to like the previous page where it kind of uh, describes that. So extending his hand, the officer presented a rolled invitation and it was sealed with the king's crest in red shining wax. And it contains both names on there. It contains the who it's addressed to and, and who it's from uh, to Asher, son of uh, Matthias. And it's from your king. So there's there's names and there's seals upon it. And um it's as a reward for your years of devoted service and your faithfulness. Uh, you've been chosen, found worthy, and uh, to be a recipient of the highest award in the kingdom. And, you know, I found that, that highest award kind of thing very layered, you know, very much like an onion. So are we talking about our first time through the temple for the endowment? Yes. Are we talking about 
second anointing, calling election made sure, higher type covenants? Yes. You know, like the, the, the answer is uh, yes to all of the above, but it kind of depends at which stage you're at, how this parable is uh, applying to you and kind of what preparations, presentations, and, and learning go along with it. I, uh, very much so. I, I love that like, onion analogy kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think with all of the ordinances that we have, right, all of the ordinances of the Holy Priesthood, we have the physical ordinance that we go through. Mm -hmm. And then each one of the ordinances must be ratified by the Spirit um, for it to really take effect, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, we get the physical thing when we first are baptized, when we first go in and get our initiatories and our endowment or when we're first sealed. But then when the Spirit... Um, ratifies that within us when it when he truly seals that then we truly do have all those things then we are becoming a member of that royal order right of mm -hmm. the of the order of the after the son of god mm -hmm. yeah i also noticed that on um I was just looking at my marriage certificate the other day and how formal it looks. And even yeah. though it's not an invitation, like your baptismal certificates, even though they're not an invitation, they are kind of like a, they're kind of like an invitation or like a notice. It, it's so formal and it is like kind of like, um, I don't know, just that formality. And I've never really appreciated it until I read this, like, cause it feels kind of like a, um, I don't know. What are the words I'm looking for? Yeah, kind of like on, on that second page where it talks about um, upon inspection of Asher's identification papers, plural, you know, it's like, here's the steps you've, you've gotten baptized, you, you know, like here's yeah. different graduations throughout your life and, yeah. and you need to identify. That's exactly what I mean. And they're, and I love how they're so formal and they're written. They're so beautiful. And I think yeah. I'm not positive as a seal on it, but it, that reminded me of that. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I just think it, that's really, I never have really appreciated those certificates till I read this because it is like, so, I don't know. It may, it feels special now more than it did before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has all the fancy scroll work and it's yeah, gold. It's and cool, but it, I, it is. I want to say it, it has like some kind of a sunburst seal or something. I literally just saw mine yesterday <laughs> as I was flipping through some papers in the safe. And I'm like, oh, look. And it was, I saw my marriage certificate and my husband's priesthood or my date ordination certificate. And I was like, wow, okay. Well, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I all of a sudden it just brings on a whole new meaning. It does make me feel more like a goddess or more like. It does, I don't know. It just does feel more special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I was just, uh, I, <laughs> it's weird that, that everybody's finding their marriage certificates this week, but I, I had mine and it does have like an embossed seal from the state of Utah kind of thing um, that, you know, can't easily be duplicated, you know, very much like the, the red seal that's on this um, invitation here in the parable kind of thing. Uh, I found that a very interesting connection. That is weird if we were all looking at our marriage yeah. certificate last week. That that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in that dimension. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't. It's kind of cool <laughs> that 
that way though that like a personal invitation it feels different than just like oh here's your certificate like throw it in your scrapbook you know? mm -hmm. it's like i don't know it i don't know there's just something that feels makes me have like more honor for it and more like significance to it i don't know it just feels and then even like your baptismal certificates we have certificates for your blessing for your baptism everything has a certificate and then you have your priesthood one. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty, like all the layers of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Those are all the ordinances, right? All the little steps, all the little things. And so it makes sense that they would all have certificates. And they used, certificates used to be such a big deal before <laughs> we started giving away certificates and everything. And so I think people don't see the value in them anymore. But there are some certificates that are really worth more than just a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I got my certificate for working in the temple. I was like, oh, this is like so neat. <laughs> they uh -huh. write a letter and thank you. And it's like, oh, I did feel really special about that one. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. But I don't think I really thought of the rest of it in this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, Kind of taking that and going just down from it where um, they they come in and tell him, like, let's have you bathed. And he, you know, is somewhat surprised by the uh, thing, you know, like he should have been expecting it. But at the same time, he's like, um, I'm a clean man, you know, like, obviously, like, I have to be clean to be here. And I think that, that relates a lot to our endowment, right? Like, we're, we're making covenants of, of, of cleanliness, but it's like we had to, to live up to a lot of that before we, we could even get in, right? But yet we're renewing and even being further cleansed in, in all of that. I, I like the, the explanation that the attendants uh, give to him. Uh, we ask that you bathe yourself completely from head to toe. It's both a blessing and a requirement to, to be so thoroughly purified before the king. And um, anyway, and that it's very, very good. Uh, you know, I've found that very interesting as well as he goes through there. He's, he's always, um, he's so methodical in the preparation of these parables. You know, every, every word, every footnote, everything is, is very um, calculated and, and, and pondered upon for, uh, for emphasis there. <clears throat> but, I kind um, of feel the same way when I got my initiatory. <laughs> like, yeah. why do we have, <laughs> why am i wearing this shield and why am i naked underneath it <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, what do i need to be watched of? <laughs> i'm already clean like what, what's going on i don't understand but what is happening right now <laughs> i'm not bothering as much anymore <laughs> it's more symbolic than uh literal anymore <laughs> yeah but the penitence has a lot to do with that too you know, being clean in every regard. I mean, mm -hmm. aren't we supposed to be repenting daily, every single day? And, you know, as we do that and we partake of the sacrament every week, we can be clean. It can be like being bathed, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, and then, you know, how it kind of goes through, um, the, the clothing there on the, the top of page three, 
Uh, these are articles that are different than he was accustomed to wearing, even on special occasions. You know, these uh, there's no trousers and boots, but instead silk stockings, woven breeches, soft velvet shoes, a beautiful undershirt, a colorful tunic, a splendorous robe, and a finely woven cap. And um, every all visitors wear these when they have audience with royalty. I found that uh, a very interesting uh, a part to ponder because you know, like, like our temple clothing is, is very odd when you look at it from an outside perspective. I'm like, I don't know what all of that means, but uh, as you do grow into them, kind of like the the white coat parable, you you receive them, but then you grow into them. Um, then you start understanding why these are necessary um, to to be adorned with in the presence of of the royalty, kind of thing. Uh, I really love that principle that he he pointed out there. Um, I thought it was interesting that he was dressed. He was he was he was washed and he was dressed, and then he didn't know where to go. Right. Right. I was like, is he left alone? <laughs> you know, where's the hall that I go? How do I get? to the king's presence from here. And he said, it's not yet time. Because like, where are the I'm temple workers? Ready. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not time, now I have to wait. You know, and then they had to teach him how to appropriately, appropriately approach the king, the protocols, reverences, bows. You know, you don't simply just walk up and greet the king. So, you know, all of the things that we learn in the endowment, there's, we're being taught those protocols. And then even once we have them, we practice meeting the king. Mm -hmm. But um, we still haven't had our audience yet. We're still waiting in the hallway, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, and we go back in and we get refreshers on how to meet the king in case we've been waiting in the hallway a long time. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. but that way, you know, and, and he even even showed, he said he wasn't alone. There were other people who were there and they all had to wait. They were all just patiently waiting on their audience with the king. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting that the audience was done individually. They weren't all brought in at the same time. It's one-on-one. -on -one. And, and isn't that how we know that the Lord does everything one by one? Yeah. That, that's yeah. why everything we do in the temple is an individual name. Just think, if we just did a whole batch of names, it would be a lot faster. <laughs> but no, every individual is important and they're done one by one. Yeah, I love that. Um, that really stood out to me too. Um, because... I, you know, there must be a, a big room and and why not watch other people as they interact with the king and, you know, kind of get preparation, but it, you're only allowed one at a time and, and it's very, very individualized, very personal. Yeah, I, I, I really loved um, Elder Bednar's book, One by One, um, but I, I'm sure I would get a lot more out of it with some of this um, last couple of years under my belt <laughs> of different things and, and symbolic meanings of things, but. I remember that book really stood out to me the first time I, I read it um, back when it came out. But yeah, um, later on, like down on page three, where you were talking about there, that Simon, who um, the, the attendants take them to, to Simon, who 
kind of seems to, to represent a, a Peter type figure, you know, kind of senior, um, senior officer in the court uh, type thing. And then um, he proceeds to teach the initiates how to approach their king and properly come into his presence. Um, small but significant items of instruction. Um, and then he instructs them. These are not arbitrary guidelines. You know, many times, especially at, at first, some of all of the, the different things that were given in the endowment are, are kind of like, I don't know, we don't do that in normal life anymore. I mean, this is kind of like, it's over my head. What does all this mean? But to note that these are not arbitrary guidelines. Although you may not initially comprehend their significance, in its own way, each of these acts demonstrates reverence, obedience, and commitment to the king. And so um, they, they practiced these directives to ensure that they were prepared um, and then lined up to, to go one by one. I think that that's just so key as we're going through the endowment, uh, looking at we practice it when we receive it. We practice it again um, uh, later on. And, and then we, we kind of rehearse these things multiple times so that we've we've got it down, even though, uh, you know, the temple workers are, are there to help us along the way as we we learn and grow into them but uh, knowing that they're not arbitrary and that um, these are our necessary guidelines to approach deity i really love that that point that he brought out there i think there's an importance to protocol there is a there is the tendency for one to poo-poo uh, pomp and circumstance, or they see it as nothing but flash and flare, something to just glorify the the need, the needs and the the self-aggrandizement of the the high person. However, I do believe that a lot of it has to do with our willingness and ability to recognize the position of the person in charge, the king and to uh, humble ourselves to the point of following whatever commands or requirements are established for them to approach the king. I think it has a lot to do with um, your attitude. And it's, it's an attitude test. If people are not willing to uh, uh, genuflect or whatever it is that's required, then maybe the them having an audience with the king is not the best thing for them. It's kind of like prerequisites that prepare us to um, attain a higher influence. And if we cannot show necessary respect and aggrandizement to those who have earned a higher position and who have made sacrifices in order to be in that position, I think it's one of those mental things that, that we really have to ask ourselves. Do we think this is all silly? If we think it's silly, then maybe we need to step back and pay attention and study more. If we think this is more of a, I think this is important, I just don't know why yet, um, then, then we are uh, humble enough to be a student and we'll be willing to uh, step forward and, and follow the directions until we learn more in information and then later we will not only 
follow through with it, but we will understand it and desire to do it. So, and I think this is what our father in heaven is trying to do. He's trying to prepare us for a higher state of thought and being. And because uh, I've often thought, you know, uh, some of this stuff, either in the temple or other other ordinances are, you know, because as time goes on, they everybody begins to think, well, this is old fashioned, this is out of date, et cetera. And that is a, a key factor in the perpetuation of uh, important things because everything as time goes on degrades and becomes, it's no longer important. It's just commonplace or it is silly and unnecessary. So I think this is a, one of those instances where this is all being portrayed and it shows us what we can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Because there's a lot to be said of, uh, you know, a lot of times one little symbolism gets misunderstood or or not paid enough attention to and then uh, it's antiquated let's just drop it and, and move on kind of thing and, and i really resonate with what you said there like how it, it's all very important and that's why we need some of the the pomp and circumstance or you know very um we need the the endowment to to be the same across all the temples we need a, a you know a proper structure to it so that uh, all of that maintains its its purity and uh, intactness as we uh, we learn um, those symbols and grow into them and important not yeah. to lose that exactly we always do most of the stuff is wrapped around a covenant of some sort to help us remember that that's the important part that we realize is that these are all outward symbols of a covenant and the covenant is for etern eternity so it doesn't change yeah yeah for sure what were you saying mother i was just gonna say each thing that we do we do it with exactness and we don't deviate from that it, it needs to be exact and and I think that falls under this. Yeah. The protocols. Yeah, protocols, reverence, vows, all of that. <clears throat> um, what was I going to say? Um, so I kind of wanted to to look at the the ring itself because there's a lot to be said for that throughout um, these parables and well, especially this one. The, the ring keeps kind of popping back into it. So at first we see that the the seal on the rolled invitation has the king's crest, right? And and we know how how seals are made. They're made with the ring, so that uh, you know who it's from and and how that plays into it. Then um, on page two, this interesting point that he uh, mentions here that. Asher wondered whether he was really ready for such a turning point in his life. For once you are initiated by the king to be a member of the royal order, the whole kingdom knows of it. Even the king's enemies know of it. Members of the order are given a beautiful ring to wear that symbolized their initiation into the order. A ring to remind wearers of their position of sworn lifetime loyalty to the kingdom. And then later, when um, he's actually given his ring... Um, let's see bottom of, of page four uh, he lets go of asher's hands unwraps an item revealing a beautiful ring the king then spoke for your devoted faith and service i gift you this ring 
and initiate you into the royal order, making you, Asher, a commissioned servant of the king, one with authority to teach others of my kingdom, character, and ways. Um, it had three precious stones, a clear opal, a blue sapphire, and a red ruby. This ring is assigned to others of your initiation and authority and a reminder to you of your duties as a member of the order. And so I, I found it very interesting that a, a ring is playing a, a huge role throughout this whole parable, you know, and, and Anthony's very calculated in, in how he's delivering this and everything. But what, I mean, the ring's a huge part of this parable. Where is it in our parable? And how do we um, resonate with those same principles where um, uh, it symbolizes initiation into the order? Uh, it's a position of, of lifetime loyalty to the kingdom. It's assigned to others of our initiation, authority, and a reminder of duties as a member of the order um, kind of thing. Uh, the authority to teach others about the kingdom. So where, where does that symbolism mirror into to our lives and, and everything? I don't know, just kind of throwing that out, even though that was discombobulated. Sorry. What is our <laughs> ring? Basically, what is our ring? Right? Yeah, what is our ring? All, we're not all walking around with a ring on our right finger, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is our ring? It's I mean, a, yeah, sorry, what was that, Laura? How we've changed or what we've become. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whatever it is, the ring, the ring is visible to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. They can see, they can see it as our our authority and everything and a reminder. So what is that? Uh, I, the ring has three stones. The white, the clear opal, the blue sapphire, and the red ruby. What do they stand for? Yeah, that's very interesting, isn't it? Um, oh, the thing that popped into my head when I was reading this, I was like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. It's kind of like uh, the key that's given to Spencer, but I need to go back through that. It seems like that one had red, blue, and green in it, didn't it? But um, interesting, like an item that's given that has three stones in it. Um, I, I found that kind of an interesting connection there, but you know, back to this one, sorry, <laughs> that was distracting, um, of this red, white, and blue, uh, kind of. Opals have a rainbow. Oh, it's got that opals have a rainbow, but he says it's a clear opal, mm. but opals mm. are kind of milky and they're like iridescent. Yeah. That iridescent quality to it. Ir iridescent opals. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I. Maybe if we, if we understood what those those stones stood for, then we would have a better idea of what our ring is. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like, is the ring kind of general or is this very much tailored to the individual uh, kind of a thing, you know, like the the white stone that is given with, with our name on it kind of a thing, is that kind of a, a, a similar type endowment of, of a gift there well i would think it would have to be individual right because everything is done one by one mm -hmm. and the signet ring is not like anyone else's signet ring because it identifies who you are so yeah. maybe you know maybe yeah that's a very interesting uh, thing to ponder when i was taking um i have another thought sorry it's right along with this 
Have you ever heard the representation of the covenants in the endowment compared to your hand? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have obedience, sacrifice, um, living the gospel, and then you have chastity and you have consecration, right? So mm -hmm. you have your Aaronic and your and your Melchizedek, but you know obedience is first, but you don't get your first token until you get to this one, right? So, you know, that's where the ring goes. Maybe that's part of it. Um, but another thing that I found was interesting that I, that when I heard this is these three fingers on your hand are controlled by one nerve that comes up through one of your vertebrae in your neck. And these two are by another. Hmm, and so- um, I, I found that out when I pinched the nerve that did these. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I find that that's interesting that these two are one and these two are another. And and these, they kind of can move in or, you know, independently a lot, but try to do much independently with these two, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and how hard is it to to do something with this one without this one, you know, and how they are really tied together and, um, you know, more sealed together kind of thing. And think of it like, you know, with your spouse and everything, because it's hard to consecrate without also consecrating whatever it is your spouse has, right? You, you can't do that by yourself, you know, and chastity is, um, they, that, kind of go through that as well so i found that those were very interesting but maybe the, the ring is on this finger for a reason mm -hmm. yeah very interesting i hadn't <laughs> you said like i have you ever heard of that or whatever and i'm like yeah i think i have and nope i hadn't <laughs> so that was a, a a great thing that's gonna throw my brain into a study tonight when i go through all of those that's fun <laughs> Kathy has her hand up. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's okay. I was just thinking that it could, it, we could look at it too, like a marriage, like we're meeting the bridegroom. Remember how we, a ring goes with that and how we are waiting for um, Christ to come and, you know, to be the bridegroom. And that reminds me of the ring. And then all of the, um, symbolic stuff with weddings like there's so many things with weddings and so the ring and so the ring fits in really good there too mm -hmm. yeah i love that it seems like in um donna nielsen's book the beloved bridegroom um that there's like a whole part on on rings and and that i'm gonna have to go review that too um because that seems to play a lot into it that we also wear a ring to show that we're committed to somebody mm -hmm. you know, we're we're married we're taken we're you know committed so a ring would fit in really well with that mm -hmm. yeah for sure um you know kind of along the lines of like this parable where we're talking like royalty you know we've seen different movies or you know different pomp and circumstance where uh you come in and then you kiss the ring right you know that you're uh, recognizing that authority that um, is had there and stuff. I, I think there's a lot to that with uh, that commitment uh, that, that Kathy was talking about. Um, so I found this very interesting where 
um, like we said, this this parable can apply on, on many different layers, right? But, you know, the first time that we go through and receive an endowment of power, um, we, we practice all of the things in the endowment, but our celestial room is very much different than this parable, right? I mean, we're not uh, immediately brought into the presence of the Lord face to face and receiving all of the instructions directly from him. I mean, it, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. It probably did with, with many different individuals, but um, uh, it's interesting how it's kind of like this two-part parable where there's the the definite um, kind of veil imagery. And in that interim comes the, the white coat parable, kind of as the, okay, now you receive all of that. And then you have to come back regularly. You know, the white coat, you have to grow into the robes in order to, to actually become. Um, but this this look forward into what the king is offering and how we use all of the different um bows and mm -hmm. formalities yeah formalities and stuff um when we uh go in there that we are actually doing those now in the presence of the father to have invite him to come to us in order to give us the further light and knowledge, the the further gifts, the actual ring, uh, kind of a thing. We're we're just kind of going through the motions um, throughout the endowment, but the actual endowment of uh, the power uh, comes uh, in the celestial room through um, using those at the proper time and and all of that kind of thing. I found that that principle very interesting in this this parable. Because I think that that is very lost on the majority of, of initiates, right? We we just kind of go through the motions like, uh, sometime we'll figure that out and it'll probably be in the next life. Um, but yet, um, kind of looking at this of, oh, this is to come into the presence of the Lord. And all of these things have a purpose, a meaning. And uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dad. Bernie, are you there? Did you raise your hand on purpose? <laughs> One thing that I've read as I've read this thing two or you know through two or three different times is that ring. Uh -huh. uh, to me, represents us and the commitment that we have made to our Father in Heaven, and. Um, this one statement there that says this ring is assigned to others of your initiation and authority. Now, you know, each of us get different callings and stuff like that. We've got authority in that in that regard. But each of us have the authority to represent our Father in Heaven. And the other thing that is very much what really stuck out to me was and a reminder of you of your duties as a member of the order. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's what really stuck out to me was uh, something to remind us of our duties. And that's to me what the, uh, you know, the temple does for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And that's a, again, where the white coat parable comes into play a lot, um, you know, because in the medical profession, there's, there's the general term of doctors, but then there's all of the individual specialties, right? You know, like where she's wanting to become a pathologist, um, all of our callings and assignments throughout our preparation, you know, God knows exactly what our 
gifts and abilities and uh, he loves us so deeply and, and intimately and uh, all of the callings and, and things are to, to grow and become into to those those rings that, that were given there right i yeah i love that and then um janet in the the chat brings up an excellent point this came to mind too so when the prodigal son returns home the father places a ring on his finger and um I highly recommend like uh, Holland's talk, uh, a robe, a ring, and a fatted calf. That is like a, a transformational one to study along with these two parables. Because um, the commoner and the king is basically the prodigal son parable uh, in a different form. Um, but yeah, very interesting how that father places a ring on his finger. He gives him three things. And, and one of them is that, that precious ring. Yeah, Kathy. I know it's not the same and I know that's not what it's referring to but it does remind me a lot of the temple garment there are a lot of significance that are similar because yeah. it's binder and it's also um not not the protection so much but also like it's the we've committed to that you know um so I keep feeling like it's a lot with that. And then it also reminds me, Cameron, of that movie you had us watch. Yeah, favorite movie of yours. That one was, it's not Jose. What was his name? Uh -huh. Hosea, yeah. Hosea with the bride, the bridegroom. Yeah, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I love it. I keep kind of going back to that too, because it's all of the formalities of it and all of the, just the traditions and it reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Because that was something that, that came up as me and my mom were studying too. Like, there's a lot about the ring that that points to to the garment. You know, there's a few things that differ. You know, it, the ring is like an outward symbol versus the garment. You know, we, we keep it sacred, very inward and stuff. But, but there's a lot to it that I think uh, very much overlap, uh, like you said there. That's yeah. what I Cameron, you just said something about Hosea, the movie, and I think I watched that before, but I think I need to see that again. What is that? Uh, yeah, so um, it's it's not made by the church. It's a, a Christian group, and it has uh, Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings as the main actor. Um, but uh, it's called um, Amazing Love, the story of Hosea and Gomer. Um, you can find it on YouTube. There's there's sections of it, or you can rent it on YouTube for like a dollar ninety nine or something. Um, but yeah, amazing love, um, the story of Hosea and Gomer. And you know the the book of Hosea in the Bible, and just how how Gomer is a a wandering harlot until uh, she is redeemed with a, a heavy price, kind of a thing. It, it, oh, such a good movie. I think that you had um, suggested that early on and that I had watched it, but mm -hmm. now that you said that, I need to look at that again. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't watch a whole lot of movies, but there's there's okay. like three main ones that I keep going back to. I, I can't give those ones up because they have very uh, prominent, powerful symbols, and I, I keep learning more out of them. But Okay, what are the other two? <laughs> the, the shack, um, even okay. though you know, there's lots of little false things in there, but the symbolism like mm -hmm. don't get weighed down in the literalness of it but the symbolism of the shack oh my goodness that that movie uh, it gets me every time I'm learning so much new uh, layers to it uh, the shack amazing love and oh <laughs> this is this is a dumb one but you gotta 
understand again symbolism i i'm not a sci-fi space person at all in any way shape or form but arrival uh arrival with the redhead and jeremy banks uh anyway i can't i'll i'll find out uh, the title of it but anyway arrival and about the the circular language principle in that movie is like mind-blowing when it comes to god's omnipotence omniscience and an omnipresence I, I think it really explains those omni qualities of him in a deep intellectual way that finally made me click and and understand those principles but anyway <laughs> in, in which which movie was this arrival? that's in arrival it's okay. this weird alien movie but you know you gotta take it where you get it right <laughs> I, I I hesitate recommending that one all the time because there is a couple little stupid things in it. But I have I I bought it and then I edited it down so that it's just the essential parts. And I I watch that one like all the time. I watch that a ridiculous amount of times. <laughs> so do you want to share the edited part that you have done? Can you share that? Uh, it's somewhere. Um, I'll I'll try to get it formatted uh, so it could be shared or something. Maybe yeah. And then Janet just wrote, how does the Lord of the Wing Lord of the Rings relate to all this? The shock is excellent. Exactly. There, so there's two different uh things. You know, I, I don't necessarily watch those anymore, but um Lord of the Rings and um The Wizard of Oz are so much these uh, these parables of of the endowment, the endowment proper, Lord of the Rings, the uh, the hero's journey. Uh Oh man, those are excellent to study. <laughs> I, yes, I, I very much love those. Um, I just hope there's no flying monkeys anywhere to be found. Because <laughs> I had nightmares about all my childhood. <laughs> there are indeed flying monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> tell, me, tell me there's no flying monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> just flying monkeys, tornadoes, there's lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, how often did we see Wizard of Oz on TV? Mm -hmm. Right. You got yeah. Ten Commandments. You got Wizard of Oz. What was the <laughs> other one? It's a Wonderful Life. You, you uh -huh. have to count on those always being on every year. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. In, in the next paragraph, Cameron, after the ring, uh huh. He talks about you know for the remainder of their brief time together, the king instructed Asher about his kingdom its inception, rise, fall, and providential redemption. All of the examples that we have in the scriptures of um, when people have had their second comforter experience, when they have met with Christ, what are they, what are they shown? They're shown the beginning of the world, right? The inception, the yeah. rise, the fall, they're, they're shown the whole, the vision of all, um, you know, and, and, and that's it. This is it right here. We're shown that vision. Asher is being shown that vision of all and being told these things. And then, you know, he gets to go back to his life, but he can always come back. And I think this is this is showing us this is where we need to go. Mm -hmm. This is our next step. Yeah, very much so. I love that. Um, 
And I, I think just a, a little ways down from that, where he says, this is not a one-time audience. You have begun to learn the purposes and ways of my kingdom. You know, much like uh, Moses, Abraham, you know, now I realize that man is nothing, but I might not still fully comprehend all of that that I was just shown. Like, oh, that was a lot. Um, but anyway, there is a purpose in it. So that you may teach others as one of my authorized emissaries. So I find that the principle that uh, we are often, for the majority, uh, required to be endowed before we go out on missions as authorized emissaries. Um, but again, as it applies on different layers, um, what kind of missionaries are we talking about? Are we talking about the, the basics of the gospel? Or are we also talking about common election, second comforter, 144,000 um, in, in those kind of ways as well? Uh, I, I found that very interesting that you've begun to learn so that you may teach others as one of my authorized emissaries. And uh, you may have a perfect knowledge of the mysteries of my kingdom. That one gets me here. Come again, I will instruct you anew and teach you face to face that you may have a perfect knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom, not a basic understanding, not a, I think I get the gist of this, mm -hmm. but a perfect knowledge. Yeah. And then that next sentence, like, mm -hmm. oh, I think this is like probably one of my favorite lines of the entire two parables. To represent me accurately, you must know me intimately. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's the crux of it. Um, and coming back to the temple often, you know, President Nelson's um, petition for us, uh, you know, um, the, the the building of temples will not may not change your life, but your time in them surely will. As we we go to the temple often uh, with this purpose in mind to be taught by the Lord Himself and um, getting to know Him intimately, getting to hear Him, getting to be familiar with these uh, principles and teachings for that perfect knowledge like you had talked about and then um as it kind of closes out there the you know like okay an era of what exactly because you know i'm, I'm still in my commoner mentality like what exactly are we talking about here and in his final words to asher uh, sweeping motion of his hand, an heir of all that is mine. Um, as soon as I, I read that uh, tonight, I was like, huh, you know, I never have taken time to to go to the windows in the celestial room and, and kind of ponder that same principle here, right? Uh, what am I an heir of? And how can I grow into that through knowledge and, and coming unto the Lord? Um, Anyway, I, I, I loved that kind of a, a principle there at the very end as he concludes. And did anyone take the time to go through the, the footnotes? I found all of these very interesting. We probably won't hit all of them, but um, the, the things with um, Adams, where is that one? So like uh, number five, um, John Adams gave his account of meeting with King George III of England, uh, providing details of some of the required protocol. Uh, I was left with His Majesty and Secretary of State alone. I made three reverences or bows, one at the door, another about halfway, and the third before the presence. Uh, according to the usage established, 
at this and all the northern courts of Europe, and then addressed myself to his majesty. Uh, anyway, I, I found that like an interesting tidbit and uh, why Anthony is including these, these seven uh, footnotes here uh, to this. It's just very interesting to me, uh, his use of footnotes. Um, Look at number four. In 15th century England, there were laws passed barring any commoner from wearing royal apparel. Only the nobility could wear clothing of gold, silver, sable, blue, or crimson velvet. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Very a lot of the good colors away. <laughs> yeah, all the fun ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so <laughs> we're like out of time. I probably should have only scheduled one of these, but White Coat Parable um, really takes the, the interim, you know, of, okay, you've, you've been inducted, you've uh, got your, your footings, uh, you know, you've had your White Coat ceremony, but now you need to grow into those. And, and I found lots of different uh, intriguing uh, comments throughout here where um, it says, while we congratulate you on being found worthy and accepted to study, don't confuse capacity with ability. You have the first, you will spend a lifetime earning the second. And as we uh, really grow into those physical symbols um, and really learn uh, how those uh, apply and everything. And I, I just love how um, it goes through her her learning curves or her mistakes or you know just as she she grows into them it, it doesn't require perfection like um uh, you know sometimes the enduring to the end is just about okay just just make it to to the end goal but um learning how to get there and uh, we may have some some painful learning curves ahead yet once we get there um, we then start mentoring others. Like the white coat parable is basically just the Isaiah principle, the latter, all of that um, really emphasized uh, and magnified here. I, I, I love these principles pointed out in, in connection. I, these parables are just awesome. I, I wonder if he's going to write a third book and come out with another parable because these ones are <laughs> take a long time to, to really dive in and uh, get all of it out. But um Cameron, like we talked about earlier, um, you mentioned about the ladder and stuff, but as we go through the temple each time for our endowment, um, for uh, we're doing it for, we're doing proxy for someone that's, uh, so we're in a sense, uh, on the ladder higher than they are because this is their first time and so we're kind of helping them through this you know like reaching down and helping them and so as we're doing that we're kind of mentoring them in a way because if because i think it's pretty important that we <laughs> try to stay awake and alert and try to help bring what we know to to help them kind of we're kind of teaching them as we're going through this if we're alert and kind of you know mm -hmm. and to help them yeah 
Yeah, I love that. Um, when we were talking about that earlier, I had an experience in my my training. I, I work in the temple with my dad, and um, anyway, uh, I got corrected at the the veil uh, with with one of the things, and he's like, and the importance of it is because the symbolism of who you're representing, and you know, it says the Lord, but who does the Lord mean? And it varies depending on the level of the initiate, whether you're going through for the first time or whether you're going through, uh, you know, for, for your additional times, um, how that that changes and, and morphs, you know, like uh, this parable applies on, on multiple levels. Um, sometimes we are uh, being into the presence of, of Christ, our, our Redeemer, and, and sometimes it's, it's Elohim, uh, depending on where we're at and, and how we are um growing into our our white coat kind of a thing does the words change then if it's the first time through no um just who who everybody's representing so it's it's the same play but different act or yeah different actors kind of thing um and so as the individual whose name's on the card they are being pulled into the presence of of Jehovah, of uh, of Christ, versus if we've already been in the presence of Christ, now Christ is the one introducing us and presenting us to the Father. But no, the, the wording doesn't uh, change uh, at the veil kind of a thing. Cameron, how did you figure that out? Well, it, it came from that correction uh, at the veil, because like I was standing in the wrong spot. And so uh, he corrected me and he's like, Every, everybody in the endowment room can't see you until they actually come through the veil because there's there's high symbolism in that. So you need to make sure that <laughs> you're, you're not doing it improperly and, and revealing yourself to, to everybody in the room kind of a thing. Because you represent okay. Elohim to a, a majority of the people in here. And so, yeah, you need to remember that. And I'm like, oh, interesting. So I, I took that and, and pondered that for my next few times. And I'm like, Oh, 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 interesting. Like, anyway, it just kind of built upon it uh, over time. But uh, very much if you uh, pay attention to, to some of the wording throughout uh, the endowment, when it uses the Lord, that can mean different people, depending on where you're at and where the proxy name is is at. To, I don't know. I'm, I'm bumbling over my words now. But yeah, it, it means different uh, to different people kind of thing so when you're reading the scriptures does that also apply it, you the lord could I, I haven't like done most but. of the time when you see the Lord and Lord is capitalized with a, you know, capital L in the King James version, it is a translation of the name of Yahweh, which is Jehovah. So when it's all capitals, is that what you said, Nancy? Yeah, when it's capital L, Lord, the Lord said, it is, um, it is Yahweh, which is Jehovah. Um, and that's how they, that's how they um, translated it. So whenever you see the Lord in the scriptures, it's talking about Christ or Jehovah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't see your hand, Kathy. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. 
Um, I was thinking today when I was studying for the Come Follow Me, how similar this was to the story with David inviting that mephobish, mephobishist or whatever, however you say his name, the maimed boy, he invited him to the dinner and how like you normally wouldn't invite somebody maimed to the dinner. And mm -hmm. it was a similar thing and how, I don't know how you guys started the meeting because I was a little bit late. We were having come follow me, but um, how we are all maimed and probably most of us would be surprised that we were invited. Mm -hmm. And then they had to do the same thing. They had to go get him the clothes and go get him all ready for the dinner. And um, David did it out of friendship and loyalty to his friend inviting his son. And these two, to me, just really correlated, really, really kind of, it's kind of precious, really. And, and then I think almost one of the prerequisites to be invited to the dinner is to think that you were not good enough to be there. I mean, I think if you're prideful enough to think you're going to be there, then you might not be there. Like, I think all of us, you know, we're nothing without Christ and we're everything with Christ, kind of that same thing. Mm -hmm. And I... I don't know when I was just studying that I was thinking oh that's so much like this parable like it's so it's really special mm -hmm. yeah I love that it's so fun how come follow me is just like perfect with everything yeah. that everybody's studying right like it, it's so applicable in um timelines versus you know like what we've been studying book of nelson has been so interesting week by week what come follow me correlates with and how we go into lectures on faith like notice some of the weeks i you know my original plan of lectures on faith started back in june was it or i don't know it might have been may but anyway now that it's transitioned which weeks those line up with with come follow me is very interesting i was looking at that the other day and i was like oh i couldn't have planned that better myself <laughs> <laughs> so is anyway there's just no coincidences like come follow me is is such an inspired um yeah and they just kind of um give you like a second witness of it and then yeah. also perspective of it and then another like you see it from so many different ways um with all that backing each other up and interwoving like interweaving and like there's just so you know, you can never, you can never learn it all. You know, I, I don't have enough hours in the day to learn it all, but I'll to spiritually be prepared for all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then uh, Jenna in the chat says that the scriptures are layered and have different levels of, of meaning according to your readiness and, and preparation and how true that is as we um, see all of these things and, uh, you know, like I, I always say, you know, once you you get a new mystery, then you go back to the scripture and realize it's been there all along. But based upon readiness, preparation, when the student's ready, the the master appears uh, principle like, oh, man, I, it's so fun, isn't it? Isn't it awesome how the Lord actually teaches? And um, but it takes diligent effort to open the book to to be present, uh, to go through the motions uh, in those preparatory stages in, in order to, to get there and uh, having that type of relationship or intimateness with, with him so that we can uh, receive those things uh, and, and get ready as there's more and more information to, to find out. So fun. 
I don't know, sorry to, to keep everyone so long, but any like final thoughts, comments? There's so much in these, these two um, parables here. But uh, I don't know. It's just not enough time in the world to <laughs> study everything for uh, full depth of it. Um, if, there, if there's not anything, I'm, I'm going to go to uh, kind of lining out the uh, lectures on, on faith schedule and stuff, but don't want to go there if, if there is final thoughts on these parables. Um, yeah, so lectures on faith. It's finally here, the long awaited day, right? <laughs> it's been such a, a fun journey uh, kind of getting here, but here is the, the schedule. Um, so we're gonna spend the first four weeks on School of the Prophets and kind of the, the basic foundational structure of where the lectures on faith come into to play. Um, so we're gonna go through the background of the School of the Prophets and these are three, I would say, I don't know, this is kind of interesting because I don't want to play the role of teacher here. So I've just read some articles and I would say that these are kind of the three basic required readings that I would definitely try to, to get to. But I highly encourage Googling, searching, like dive in and figure out the School of the Prophets until you understand the background of it. So these are just kind of like a launching point. So on the, the PDF that I sent out, these should be clickable, but I'm also going to make sure that these are on uh, learningzion.com week by week. Um, I'm, I'm going to have it set up. I, I, I still don't yet, but that's coming this week. I'm going to have it set up as a good discussion board so that everybody in our groups, uh, because not everybody has Facebook, uh, but anyway, a, a good discussion board right on the homepage there um, so that it's easily accessible where we can uh, click on these, these articles and uh, discuss them and, and chat about them. Anytime that anybody has uh, fun articles or, or things that they uh, want to share the links with, I highly encourage going to the learningzion.com uh, homepage and, and sharing those with the rest of the group throughout the week so that we can all kind of gain from that together. Um, but anyway, so the first two are very short little uh, articles, basically just a couple of paragraphs. And then this, this third one, uh, the byui.edu one, uh, that one's a, a little bit more uh, in depth, but, but still, it's not very lengthy. It's not going to take you very much time, but um, they're, they're kind of just background material. And I highly encourage more uh, study and Googling uh, as you uh, learn about it. So um, we're going to go through the background, the ordinance and salutations, the word of wisdom, and then the outcomes of the School of the Prophets. Then we actually tackle each of the lectures week by week. That makes sense. Um, anyway, any kind of like questions, comments on, on structure or uh, anything <laughs> housekeeping wise? I, I'm super excited for lectures on faith. I, I forget who all I've told the full story and all that kind of stuff, but I, I feel that that the Lord has definitely led our book club discussions. And um, I feel that that's very much the same with lectures on faith. Um, when, when we all voted on uh, Book of Nelson and lectures on faith, I was like, Heavenly Father, are you sure? Because lectures on faith is pretty intense. Uh, there, there's a lot there. 
and over and over again uh, with uh, the different questions I was asking, uh, the answer was clear every single time and it was repeated. Study it the same way and you can receive the same blessings. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, there is some memorization that comes with some of the lectures uh, as noted in the schedule. Um, study it the same way and, and you can receive some of the same blessings. As we will see in week four with, with some of the outcomes, we'll see what some of those blessings were for the School of the Prophets and, and for Leaf Society sisters. So anyway, any comments, questions, anything before we head out for the night? Have you already emailed that Lectures on Faith with those links there? Uh -huh, yeah, so that was the, the one a couple of weeks ago. It, okay. it, in the same email that like uh, the stuff that we're studying tonight, those PDFs, it's all in that same email. Uh, I was looking through there and I couldn't find it. So, oh, okay. Um, maybe, I, you know, uh, once I put my foot in my mouth, let me see if it's. I don't see a grid. I'm looking at the one you sent us on June 7th. Okay, let's see. So, yeah, it's the June 8th one. Oh. Uh huh. So, the, the email is called Learning Zion Book Club Updates. I've Got the June 7th one. This, let me look. I don't have the June 8th one. Okay. Can yeah, and I can send uh, it to me again. Send it to you again. Yeah, let me forward really quick. Thank you. There is stuff in there about lectures on faith, but not that grid. I know. That's why I really shouldn't send out emails. <laughs> Sometimes I'm really bad at them um, and uh, sending too many and getting confused and stuff. But yeah, anybody else that, that needs this real quick while I'm forwarding it out? Thank you. Okay. You send it to me um, too, um, uh -huh. Cameron, just in case, because it didn't look familiar to me. Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. So Tracy and Lisa. Yeah. We're going to be out of town the next two weeks. Um, we'll be on Eastern time zone if we can clock in uh, at 10 p.m. local time. If we're done at our host's house, you know, for the evening, then we'll we'll dial in and see. Uh -huh. <laughs> you might see us. <laughs> but um, we leave on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. All can right. you send it to me, Cameron? Uh -huh. Cameron, yep. I just found it, so I'm good. Okay. Thanks. Sounds good. But yeah, we'll miss you, Wheelers. But if you can join it, and you know, we'll we'll always record them as well if you do happen to miss. Well, I have it all printed out so we can study it and everything, mm -hmm. even on the road. <laughs> yeah. So. That that word of wisdom week, week three, is gonna be a fun one. Um, but uh, again, like I I I forget where I tell what to. I sometimes too many groups boggle my brain. But um Another thing with it was that I, you know, I'm, I'm always in teacher mode and the Lord's really trying to break me of that being more of a, a facilitator kind of moderator thing and uh, not doing that. Anyway, so when I started, I was like, oh, I got to study all of these things ahead of time. And the Lord was like, no, stop. You have to study along with everybody else. Like you can't just go into teacher mode here. And so, I mean, there's some of those things, some of those articles I haven't read yet and stuff. So um, I, I'm going to be relying a lot on on everybody else um, to uh, to read and, and stuff because 
I don't know. The Lord told me not to. So <laughs> I, I created the schedule. I found some of those original things as, as directed, but um, I don't know. Word of Wisdom Week, it, it's going to be a powerful one. It's going to be a lot of uh, new concepts for us. But anyway. We'll be back for that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. We'll <laughs> I have an observation that I've made that you haven't got us anything lined up for after this. Because that means we'll all be translated, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. That means that there's a general conference coming up right after this. And who the heck knows what we'll be studying? <laughs> no, seriously, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> Some of us could be, right? Study it the same way. You can right. receive the same blessings. <laughs> Yeah, I'm being funny, but not really. <laughs> if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Yep. <laughs> yep. Now, we'll see with the, the background and the outcomes, you know, week four or whatever, that, that'll answer your question really, really heavily there. Yep. Um, yeah, it's been a fun ride. I, I've totally enjoyed these last two weeks. It's kind of an interesting interim, you know, studying Lance Richardson and, and Anthony's parables here, but uh, oh man, these last two weeks have been so fun to me, just kind of um, coming off of the, the grandiose President Nelson and uh, heading into the lectures on faith. Some of these things are just so fun to study with y'all. I just love our groups, love all our friends. Yeah, I love all you guys. <laughs> it's so fun. All right. Well, Thanks, uh, I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate y'all. Thanks for all, all right. the work, Cameron. <laughs> yep. We will see y'all next week on our regular schedule. Sorry for keeping y'all up late. <laughs> all right. We'll see you. Bye.